Good evening, distinguished guests and listeners from around the world. Welcome to the Wallop Media Awards with your hosts, Kyle Joseph and Rylan Turner! Thank you, thank you, everybody, and welcome to the third annual now? Fourth? It's got to be the fourth. Fourth annual Wallop Media Awards. The first time we're calling it that. The Wallopies, I think, (laughs) is what we're going with. Until we find a better name, whether it be the Wallopies. Um, I am Kyle Joseph, joined, as always, by Rylan Turner. Rylan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Kyle, I I, I don't want to like ruin the mystique of our podcasting and how we drop these episodes, but me and you are looking at two weeks off. Yeah, isn't that nice? It is. Which means, it does mean that we're going to miss the last of December, but honestly, so is wrestling at this point. Yeah. Wrestlers actually get a Christmas break now. Yeah, triple, uh, you know, big ups to Triple H for that. Like reading oh. that was really, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so we are going to move right to our predictions from last year. Before we get into the best and worst of wrestling, we are going to talk about our, we have a list of 21 burning questions that we're going to go through again and revisit now that it's been all of 2023 has happened. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay. So the first one. Vince McMahon returns to WWE. We both said no. Oh, it wow. happened like a week later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe we both said no to that. Like, there's a few in here where I look back and I'm I'm just gobsmacked by the fact that I made that prediction. A big name MMA star makes the wrestling debut. We both said no, it didn't happen this year. CM Punk wrestles a match. We both said yes, and that certainly did happen. The Rock versus Roman Reigns. We both said yes. <laughs> that sure didn't happen. Roman drops his title before WrestleMania. You said he would, and I said he wouldn't. He, in fact, didn't. In fact, he still has it. Yep, that's where we're at. That sure is. A big-named indie wrestler, former WWE cut, makes their full-time return at the Rumble. You said yes. I also said yes and called the name. It was, in fact, Chelsea Green. Sasha Banks wrestles in AEW. The single most proud of a prediction I ever am. Uh, you said yes, and I said no, and it turns out she never did. She didn't. Sh- she appeared at an AEW show. Was mentioned, but nope. Okada versus Omega full five. You said no. I said yes. It did not happen. Three or more major AEW wrestlers go to WWE. We both said no. This actually came true. Jake Cargill, Brian Pillman Jr., and CM Punk. Yep. I didn't think it was going to happen. 
Three or more major WWE wrestlers go to AEW. We both said no. It turns out to be no. By my count, only Adam Copeland was the big name going from one direction to the other. Yeah, that's true. Would you consider Brian Pillman a big name? Eight counts for this purposes. Okay. WWE certainly does. Um, that's true. A New Japan wrestler wins an AEW title. The wording of this might have saved us, but I, but I said the answer was no. We both said yes to this. Technically, the ROH titles are not AEW titles. W or Sami Zayn wins a title in WWE. It was number 12. I should actually number these. We both said yes, which it did happen. We both said it was going to be the tag titles, which is what happened. Soraya wins a title in AEW. You said yes. I said no. This, in fact, did happen. Number 14. Cody Rhodes wins the WWE title. Remember when optimism was a thing? Yeah. yeah we both said yes. This famously did not happen. Number 15. Seth Rollins turns face. You said yes. I inexplicably said no. This, of course, did happen. Number 16, the XFL complete, completes its 2023 season and announces a 2024 season. You said yes. I said no again. Not sure where my head was, but yeah, obviously this did happen. Number 17, Pat McAfee wrestles a match. We both said yes, he did technically wrestle a match. Number 18, AJ Styles wins a, a title in WWE. We both said no, it didn't happen. He was Number, barely on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Number 19, Brayer Wyatt has a cinematic match at WrestleMania. You said no. I said yes. Didn't happen. And sadly, yeah, that was a sad. It was, this is a sad year for wrestling. It was. Number 20, a match at the Hardy Compound. You said no. I said yes and said they'd probably put it on TV. It happened. It did. It did happen. We had Bivens at the Compound. We did. Uh, number 21, a joint AEW-WWE show is announced. We both said no to this, and it didn't happen. But in total, you had 13 correct, and I had 11. All right. I did all right last year. So that's where we're at for our uh, list last year. We're going to get to the list again later this year. But before we do that, Rylan... We always like to start with this because we don't want to end feeling sad. Let's talk about the worst of wrestling in 2023. Let's do it. I will say this. I don't know that 2023 was a particularly great year for wrestling, but I want to, I do want to say the lows were harder to find this year. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, most disappointing women's wrestler last year. You said Thunder Rosa. I said Liv Morgan. I both might have been candidates again for this year. Ryan, where are you going with most disappointing women's wrestler? I'm going with Soraya. Um, she had won the championship at All In. It didn't amount to anything. The group she started didn't amount to anything. And if anything, Tony Storm is way better off without that group than she was with it. And, I mean, the big comeback at this point is 
a year and a half ago, and it really hasn't amounted to much. So I just, I, I and no one else stood out like she did this year for when it comes to fine matches and pretty terrible creative, uh, not necessarily her fault, but her, the performances weren't great either. Um, I also went with this group. I said Ruby Soho. Okay. She's okay. a, she remains a very good wrestler. This is entirely booking. Let her win something. Jesus, let her win something. It is, it's absurd to me how many finals or title matches or almost that they give her. She came into this company and it was such a huge moment. And that feels like eons ago. Anyway, that's what I had most disappointing women's wrestler. Last year, for most disappointing men's wrestler, you had Austin Theory. I had Andrade. Where are you going for this year? Jack Perry. Um, It's it's not a CM Punk thing, honestly. Like, my thoughts about that whole situation are aside. When it comes to performance-wise, I feel like he delivered once, and he had three other guys in there to help him in that performance. And the heel turn was not good in many ways. And whether and, and honestly, God, if they bring this guy back as the devil, he's done. The crowd's not going to take to that. You can already see that. Um, I I just I I think that he had a really bad year, and obviously he's been off TV since August now. Um, is there a clamoring for a Jungle Boy come comeback? Maybe he certainly trademarked it all, but I just I don't know. I feel like the year that. And again, the CM Punk stuff aside, like whether you're a fan of Punk or and and you don't like him because of that or not, the heel run kind of soured people on the guy, and it was it was a difficult spot for him. I will say, I will say though, when he started coming out to, uh, I think uh, you're, I'm going to butcher this, the Karina, uh, oh god, he, some old like classical music. Uh, track uh that was i think a good move but again he it it just didn't work for me it didn't work at all uh for me the answer was wardlow okay all right so going into last year i was excited for what wardlow had to do and through the year like he had an okay start to the year it was very odd and start stop though and then they gave him an idea and then they took it away and then they gave him that tnt title and then they took it away it just felt like they never let him get any momentum and they have no idea what to do with him. So that one hurt me. And I was excited to see what we had for Wardlow. I had some other people who I had on this list as well, but Wardlow for me. Yeah, definitely a contender for me as well. Worst commentary team of the year last year, you had Booker Team Vic Joseph, and I had the raw commentary team of Smith, Graves, and Saxton. Uh, where are you going this year? It's a repeat. Here's the thing. Vic Joseph is a very capable commentator. But Booker T has proven time and time again that commentary is not where he belongs. It's it's just not like, uh, aside from him, you know, goofing around while Trick Williams is coming to the ring, I can't stand this guy's commentary. He He should be able to provide all the things that Taz does, but it just comes across as non um 
genuine or disingenuous and just, I don't know, it's too goofy for me. So uh, it's a repeat for me this year. This year, I went in a different direction and I said the AEW commentary team would have included Jim Ross. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. I'm just off the Jim Ross chain entirely. There are situations in the past where I was, you know, still supportive, still defending. He still sounded good in big matches and still had that. Like his voice is still, you know, commanding and everything. But he's so out of the product now. He's so... It's clear that he's not really following it. And it's it just makes for odd... He's such an odd inclusion into what is usually a very tight group. Right. Again, I think the best spot for that guy is his interviews. Yes, 100%. When you, when you script him, and he he's the type of guy who, he's no bullshit, mm-hmm. so he calls it down the line no matter who he's in there with, and like you said, a commanding voice. Commentary is not for him anymore. And yeah. it's I think, it, I think AEW's learned that just in how much they've um, loosened up on using him this year. Mm-hmm. So, worst feud of the year... Last year, you had Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. God, does that feel like forever ago? <laughs> Speaking of, I had Nyla Rose versus Jade Cargill. Where are you going this year? MJF and Jay White. This feud was silly from the beginning. Firstly, Jay White, we all know, is a capable wrestler in between those ropes. And a match that with MJF should have been something that we should all been looking forward to. And while I was looking forward to the bout itself... The title stealing, uh, the inclusion of the devil stuff, which has yet to be paid off, um, just all of it. Like the 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 really really ridiculous angle with Juice Robinson and MJF at a time where we should not be making angles like that on television. I think, in my opinion, I think it was a bit too uh, uh, real. Um, it just none of it worked for me. And honestly, a, a cont- uh, another contender is the MJF and Adam Cole stuff. I liked it in the beginning, but we've gotten to a point now where it, because of the fact that Adam Cole's injured, I just don't feel like there's much muster in it anymore. And I, I'm worried about how they're going to pay this off. So the thing I told you about, we talked about this off air. I had the hardest time with feuds this year, when we especially when we get to the best one, I had a, such a hard time because feuds would start, and then the problem is they just keep running for too long, and they'd mm-hmm. make these weird meandering changes that just didn't make it any better. There were a few classic AEW: the feud is bad, but the match is good matches, and yeah, WWE had a few feuds that I really enjoyed at the start of the year that just kept going. For reasons that I don't fully understand. But for me, there was one feud that just never got to good at any point of it, even during the matches. And that was the Outcasts versus the Originals, the women's division feud that AEW had going on. This was a disaster. I defended this as much as I could in the early stages. I thought the Outcasts had potential. I thought the angle had potential. I thought there was ways that they could have done it. I thought they were building to a blood and guts match, which never happened. But it just felt like they had the idea, and then as soon as Jamie Hayter went out, they had no idea what to do. Exactly. 100%. And 
it wasn't helping JD Hader at all. It made her what was an amazing title reign, or you know, her tangle victory was amazing. Some of her matches were still very good, but it just left it in such an odd situation with Britt Baker doing all the talking for her. And she felt kind of weakened through a lot of it, and it didn't help Tony Storm or Ruby Riot, which or Ruby Soho, I should say, which is the whole point. <clears throat> so yeah, that is that is what I've got for that. Rylan, we're going to get to worst tag team last year. You had the maximum male models. I miss those guys. And I had uh, the Hardy Boys. Where are you going this year? Um, uh, shout out to House of Torture. They suck. They suck. New Japan just really won't let that one go. Um, and shout out to Hit Row. Uh, they were terrible this year, too. Um, but I took the Hardys this year. Mm-hmm. Um it was evident that both guys, I mean, like we always looked at the Hardys in their later years, like, okay, well, Matt's definitely more rundown than Jeff is, but this year proved that Jeff is just as old or sorry, he's older than Matt or sorry. Is he, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. They're, they're basically brother. Okay. They're very well, close in age. Very close in age. And this year proved mm. anything in the moments where Jeff was there. He is not at the same level that he was even a couple years ago in his WWE run. So, and and unfortunately, this the usage of them has hasn't been great. Like, I, I'm sorry, but like, the Hardy Boys are a team that I feel like I'd know how to use, regardless as to their age. You'd be able to figure out something for the Hardys to do, and they have had nothing for months at this point. Um. So yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't take it away from the Hardys this year. I think that definitely visibly and uh, booking wise, they've been put in the back seat. That was a consideration for me. That was one that I definitely thought about. Uh, there was a couple teams I had sort of on my list as well. But yeah, I'm consistent on this. It's going like, to come up with come again later. Uh, the Outcasts. This, you had a group with three of the hottest wrestlers in the company, and it didn't help any of them. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that happened to Tony Storm is that she got out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's disappointing when you've got, you've got, you know, groups and stuff like that that are formed like that. Like I had other uh, honorable mentions, I suppose, if you want to go with uh, Lethal and, and Jarrett, who just that addition always made every tag match worse. Um, but yeah, no, the outcast is just, it, it was a good idea that did not work at all. Rylan, worst wrestling moment last year, you had Tyrus winning the NWA world title and I had Brawl out. Where are you going this year? Cody losing at WrestleMania. It was supposed to be the end of the story. And much like Roman Reigns' title run, it wasn't. And if anything, it was the beginning to another build that we're going to get to, a rematch that I don't think anyone really asked for. The match itself wasn't a bad match. If anything, Cody Rhodes had a star-making performance in that match. But... When you finish the match the same way you finished every other Roman Reigns match for the last however long, that the almost four years, in August it'll be four years that he's been champion. It doesn't, I don't think it has the same heat. Don't get me wrong, 
we're we're coming into mania season and we're going to see which direction they're going to go i you know the speculation right now is we're getting the rematch between cody and roman but how much does a rematch mean when all those parameters uh were the same last year and roman found a way to sneak out of it it was an amazing feud that just kept going and so much of that outstanding shelf life it carried through the entire year this year yeah like that was survivor series if i'm not mistaken i think so yeah just i i don't understand it anyway uh worst for me the worst moment was it came early in the year mr mcmahon returning Jesus, do we not need Vince McMahon anymore? Go away. And I mean that in the cruelest way possible. However, whatever it takes for you to go away, please do that. Anyway, enough of that. Worst theme music. Last year, you had Happy Corbin's theme, and I had prepared a fight by for Gunther. Uh, I still hold that I don't like that, that theme song, but I don't feel as strongly about it. This year, Rylan, where are you going? Uh, a shout out to Shayna Baszler, who has a truly uh, terrible theme song, which I discovered in uh, watching some stuff uh, over the last week. But Logan Paul, the song Take Flight. Um, Logan Paul is a big enough guy where they can license out some music for him. Like, come on. This guy's got millions of followers. There's nothing. I, I think if anything, you want to make this guy as big of a deal as possible. And this generic nothing song, I don't think adds anything to him. That's just me. He'd be a great candidate for a song like Gonna Fly Now. Sure. Whatever. Like where it's used in like this upbeat, what are uplifting, like, you know, rags to riches story song is used ironically. I feel like he, that would that fits his character very well. Sure. Uh, I kind of copped out on this one. Uh, it's no chance in hell. <laughs> Vince McMahon. And it's just... Did we even hear it this year? We did. He came back uh, in January. Oh, God. In appearance. And to be honest, and it's just one of those things that, like... I, and I feel the same way about, uh, ironically, uh, here comes the money. Um, when we saw Shane O'Mac return. It just is a reminder that just never ends. Especially, there was a lot of nostalgia stuff this year that that just wouldn't end. Uh, this is a year of things not ending in time. It's fair. And it's true of Vince McMahon, too. Rylan, worst on the mic. Uh, we'll do the women's worst on the mic first. Uh, last year, you had Ronda Rousey. I had Vicky Guerrero. Where are you going here? You're not going to like this, but it's a repeat. Ronda Rousey was the worst on the microphone, I think, this year. Uh, shout out to Soraya, who I think has been nothing special. Um, yeah, I just, I, she, you know what? I didn't want to include her a lot, but she was there for the first half of the year. So it was hard to disinclude her for, from some of this stuff. And she just never got better, no matter whether she was a heel or a baby face. She always was pretty terrible. And the crowd has never really taken to her on the microphone whatsoever. And uh, yeah, it was it was proven this year. And thankfully, uh, hopefully, we don't have to hear it anytime soon. Yeah, I she was definitely a consideration for me, but I just didn't watch enough WWE to really say that. You know, I she even registered for me to hear her. Uh, Soraya isn't the worst on the mic because I think she's the worst on the mic. She's the worst on the mic because it was so disappointing. 
And I don't really fault her for this. This whole that whole thing wasn't given enough time or opportunity, and was choose. I don't know why they had to turn her heel to begin with, but if they were, they needed a direction, they needed a reason, and they never gave them one. And it just true. You could have done so much better. Just give them a reason for being, and it would have made things so much better. Anyway, uh, Rylan, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, Men's worst on the mic. We both had Riddle last year. Thankfully, we don't have to do that again. Where are you going this year? Jack Perry. Uh, Bad guy Jack Perry was a step below good guy Jack Perry on the microphone, and it's not a high bar. Uh, I know that, you know, Jack Perry's had moments of um, decency on the microphone. Uh, he got a little bit at the beginning of the year and, uh, you know, heading into double or nothing. But it, it I don't know. There's something about this guy as a bad guy that I just kind of think he stunk up the joint. And it never really got better from there. So that's that's who I went with this year. Maybe maybe some some people would say that's an easy pick, but uh, or or uh, whatever pick. But I don't know. I, I there's a lot of disappointment with Jack Perry this year. I kind of felt the same way. I picked Darby Allen. I kind of felt the same way about him. It just never clicked with me. And the thing about it is, he's a character that should be way more. First of all, he shouldn't be talking as much as they had him do during some of those promos. I know they had to sort of build up the, the four-way and everything like that. But and secondly, it just felt like they didn't have an idea about what the character was. Because a guy like Orange Cassidy, for example, is a character that didn't have a lot to say early on but I never felt when he gave a promo that he didn't feel like Orange Cassidy, you know? Right. And that was the big thing for Darby Allen. Is it just he was another candidate for uh, most disappointing? It was just kind of directionless, rudderless the whole year. I I could not disagree more. But uh, I, I that's okay. Like that's what the show is all about. Interesting. Um, Worst promo of the year last year, you had Cody Rhodes' goodbye from AEW, and I had Vince McMahon's then, now, forever together. Where are you going this year? Uh, the first promo between Jay White and MJF uh, was bad, and it was not bad on MJF's part. MJF held his own and delivered some great lines, and Jay White was his, he was tasked with responding. And as a guy who if you followed his uh, New Japan career, uh, you know he can talk. For him to fizzle out like he did, and I will say, uh, MJF piling on top of him, and 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 you know calling that out didn't help. But the fact that you know that this derived down to name calling and starting a stupid chant, uh, I don't even remember what the chant was, but it wasn't good. Um. It just, yeah, it was disappointing because, again, this whole feud was disappointing, but that's how it started. And honestly, like, it, it makes sense as to why it's, it wasn't successful. For me, anyway. Yeah, I... So I took a personal one because I didn't... Again, a lot of my wrestling watching was pay-per-views, so I didn't right. see a lot of promos to begin with. And thank goodness. There were a few that I definitely... 
You know what? I'm going to change my mind. Uh-oh. Because I'm a little torn on this one. So the what I have here is that I have the outcasts at Dynamite Winnipeg when we went to go to see the show. And it wasn't a good promo. And it was just, it was more that it was emblematic of how things were sort of going with that group. But the forming of the Don Callis family, that's on that list. Don Callis is one of those things that has just, it's gone on way too long. And I don't know that it's still really going in that same way anymore. I think he's still managing and stuff like that, but it's just one of those things that, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to see the introduction of the John, of the Don Callis extended, of the Don Callis family. It's not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. I just, everything about that group didn't make sense. And when a group forming doesn't make sense, you know you're on, a, on down a bad road. Worst pay-per-view of the year. We both had Royal Rumble last year. What was the worst pay-per-view of 2023? Kyle, I watched a lot more WWE this year than um, I did the year prior. And WWE Fastlane was maybe one of the most useless shows that did nothing for anybody. Uh, let's talk about this card. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso defeated the Judgment Day for the tag titles. Look where that got us. Uh, Latino World Order defeated Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits after Carlito made his return, uh, which th was a match that basically was them waiting for Carlito to return. Eosky defeated Oscar and Charlotte Flair in which was a sloppy 20-minute match that no one really figured. That, with, with three women like those three, you would think that they would have this killer match, and it just under-delivered in the worst way. John Cena and L.A. Knight defeated the Bloodline, being J Jimmy Uso and S uh, Solo Sokoa, in a 20-minute match where nothing really happened because John Cena's limited, LA Knight's limited, Solo Sokoa's limited, and Jimmy Uso spent the majority of his career as a tag guy. So, uh, you know, like, it's super kicks. And the, the one shining part of this program that was pretty great was Nakamura and Rollins going 30 minutes, but truth be told, with how this run is going as World Heavyweight Champion with Seth Rollins, it was almost disappointing when Nakamura didn't win, considering that he's been a guy who, while he's not my most improved, he's a contender. So... My worst pay-per-view, you, you're sort of in the same boat as me, is you didn't watch, or you watched a lot more um, WWE, the, the mid-tier pay-per-views, than I did. But I did catch one, and it was the same reason I had the Rumble last year. It wasn't just the things, some of the stuff was bad. Some of the action was actually pretty good. But everything, every match left me going, huh? For one reason or another. Elimination Chamber 2023. Boy, oh boy. The opening match was okay. It wasn't really the showing for Raquel Rodriguez that it should have been, which I figured was the entire point uh, of that. You had Natalia and Carmella and Nikki crossing there, who just, there was no chance that they were going to win that match. Right. And it just felt like you had people in there for the numbers. Asuka was not even remotely surprised that she ended up winning. 
she was dominant when she got in, but again, it took a while for her to get in, involved in it in the first place. It was just kind of a mess. Um, but that was the best match on, on, on in terms of like start to finish for me. That was the best match on the card. Um, the rest of the card, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar kicked Bobby Lashley in the testicles, and that was the end of their feud. Huh? Edge and Beth Phoenix defeated the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Huh? What are we doing here? Awesome Theory won what was a largely entertaining match in the United States uh, Championship Elimination Chamber, but for whatever reason, had the inclusion of Logan Paul coming in to distract Seth Rollins in a match where you know you're not supposed to be able to get distracted in the first place, and Austin Theory retained. You're telling me that you're going in there with Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, and Montez Ford, and none of them should get the U.S. title? Boggles my mind. And then... In front of the Montreal crowd, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns had the same Roman Reigns match he had all year, which was Roman dominates early, babyface fire up, large-scale, long distraction from a bunch of other people, Roman wins with a spear. The match was good because, you know, Sami Zayn, but it just felt like it didn't matter. And then that was, okay, we got to get rid of Sami Zayn now. We're done with him. He's not the story anymore. Go away. And it, uh, for that to be the end of their feud, that was just not good. So yeah, nomination chamber. It's fair. Worst women's match of the year. Last year, we both had Shotzi versus Ronda. Where are you going this year? Ronda versus Shayna, SummerSlam, MMA rules. This match sucked. And again, like, this was a feud that I think a lot of people kind of were interested in, considering that there is history between the two of them. If you're going to do something with Ronda, something like this makes sense. But why they threw this MMA rules stipulation on it, because it makes zero sense in pro wrestling to do an MMA rules match. Um... It just it made made zero sense. The match wasn't good. Uh, the right person went over. Don't get me wrong. Like Shayna going over was the right move, but by this point, Ronda's not the star that she was in the WWE. So it almost did nothing for Shayna. Honorable mention for me to I didn't actually watch this match. So so thankfully, Spad, don't watch it. Honorable mention for me was the women's uh, tag team showcase match, but there was enough. Good fire from some other people, particularly Raquel Rodriguez in that match, that I just couldn't give it the win. Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair at the Royal Rumble was a baffling match. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Should have been way better than it was. Ended in a weird note. Alexa Bliss with magic powers just didn't make sense. And it never made sense. And, like, there was a part where she was involved with, you know, when, when she was involved heavily with Bray, that where you could have made it tie together. But then they split off, but both just had magic powers. It was so, uh, anyway, 
Yes, that was that was for me was the the worst uh, worst women's match. Worst men's match last year you had Brock Lesnar versus Big E, and I had Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. Where are you going this year? Chris Jericho and Adam Cole. Wow, what a disappointing match this was. And it was right at the beginning of the year. Two guys who you know can have great matches and who have had great matches in AEW. For whatever reason, it didn't gel. It made the, the, the match itself was really underwhelming. And the way they ended it was like a stoppage, wasn't it? Like a referee yeah. stoppage. Yeah. Like, it just, why? It just, I don't know. I think it, that for me was Chris Jericho being Chris Jericho. Let's do something unique. It doesn't yeah, always need to be. Well, that that's neither here nor there. Like that guy, he was in the match for maybe like twenty five seconds. Like, sure, it didn't make any sense, but like, <laughs> that's it, my entire point. The whole thing didn't make any sense. You know what was frustrating about that match? I'll, I'll let you finish. But what was really frustrating about that match was that Jericho and Roddy Strong was so much better. It was. It was very good. And it was, what, a couple weeks prior? Yeah, and it was like, that was the exact match that he should have had with Cole. Yep, absolutely. And it just did not happen. And, uh, yeah, I I thought that there was one spot building to the match that was good, which was uh, the, the, the part where Adam, or I guess the dynamite where Adam Cole is um, chained, or not chained, but handcuffed to the rope, having to watch Britt Baker be beaten up by the outcasts. Yeah. I thought that was great. And like, again, they, another thing for the outcasts that it was a good idea that then went absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I just, I thought this match was a big stinker. And, uh, it it stayed with me when I went back to look at the matches this year that that contend, could contend with. As soon as that match lit up, I went, "Yeah, I, that's the one. That's the one for sure." Pat McAfee versus The Miz for me, not because like you know I didn't like seeing Pat McAfee return. I did, and not because I didn't like um, Pat McAfee. You know, having a short match at WrestleMania, because I thought that was fine. He had one last year. I don't know that he needed to have another one. I think he should have returned just for like commentary. But what was going on with the Miz at WrestleMania? <laughs> he was the host. He was a former. Like that's the thing about with the Miz is that he's a former champion. I know that he's not supposed to be like this super serious wrestler. He was always, you know, snake in the woods type of character who would get the wins however he needed to it didn't really matter how it went but there's so many better ways to do that that like rick flair made a whole career out of that mjf does that so much better than uh the miz ever really did but the miz was the miz was so good at that and they just they don't give him that anymore they just make it as a comedy joke which and was the match with with snoop Whatever that happened to be, I will give Snoop credit credit and uh, Jessica Carr, the referee, credit for coming up with something on the fly. Yes, that was because let me tell you something: Shane O'Mac versus The Miz would have been this would have had this spot. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but I can't give it that because he's uh, got his he's got his dad's quads. Oh man! But I mean, it was there was just something about that whole moment where it's like, oh my lord, what. It was such a car crash that it managed to wrap back into entertaining. Yes. <laughs> McAfee and The Miz never got to that place. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's where I'm going with that one. 
Worst women's wrestler of the year. Last year, we both had Ronda Rousey. Almost went that way this year. Almost. Interesting. I, I made a last-minute pivot. Uh, Kyle, do you know what happened this year? What happened? Nia Jax made her return to the WWE. I remember that happened. And I want to tell you, I know I've always been pretty hard on Nia Jax in ring. You have. She's not gotten any better. In fact, she she might be worse. Um, her stuff has not been good consistently. Her promos, well, she's lucky she hasn't had enough promos this year. At least Ronda Rousey was around for half the year. Nia Jax returned in like October. So I felt bad enough, or I, I felt bad kind of throwing that at her. But shit. Like... And now we have Kyrie Sane back in the WWE. Keep them away from each other, for the love of God. Uh, for her, for everyone's sake. I just, I'm sorry. I know that there are people out there, yourself, uh, who, who feel like I, I'm a bit hard on her. I just, I think you're wrong. <laughs> There's, I, I'm, I'm not saying that she's not, like, she's not, you know... A ring general, but I think there's there's a place for her character, and the problem is that they they kept using her to you know to poor effect. Yeah, but they yeah. using this lady who should be a monster for comedy for as long as they have. I just can't take her seriously anymore. No, her again again, the stuff she's done promo wise has not been good, and the best thing got, that she has going for her right now. In this moment, she's feuding with Becky Lynch, which might be the the only thing that might be able to pull her out of this and have her, you know, have a big moment. But we'll see. We will see. I had Ronda Rousey again. <laughs> well, she hasn't been on one of our lists. She wasn't here the whole year. And that's saying something. It was just, I mean, for everything that AEW had throughout this year with their women's divisions, I had so many problems with it there wasn't a, a person in the ring who i could say definitively had a worse year than ronda rousey did right and so ultimately that's where my criteria is when i'm going to judge it and it's so disappointing because ronda rousey was a very good professional wrestler and had a great place in wwe and it just I don't know. And it just feels lost now. Rylan, worst men's wrestler of the year. Last year, we both had Giants. You had the almost. I had Sat um, Singh. Where are you going this year? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Satnam Singh because, uh, well, he is a friend. And his friend, I've been defensive over for a long time and saying that if you use him properly, he can be useful. Um, However, every single match that Jeff Jarrett has taken a part of this year has been a real stinker. Mm -hmm. One of which shouldn't have been, considering he was in there with Orange Cassidy at a show we were at live. But yep. in watching it back on television, it really was nothing special. Oh. And Orange Cassidy is a guy who had a lot of special moments this year. He had a great year. He did. So I... I, I wanted to change it. I wanted to make it somebody else, but I just, I, I, every time I, I thought of somebody else, I kept coming back to Jarrett. So Jeff Jarrett for me is the worst wrestler of the 2023 in the men's category. 
Yeah, I gotta go with you. I actually, believe it or not, I had something way more controversial. And I do stand by this. Hello. He is my runner-up. My runner-up is John Cena. Okay, okay. We well, just don't need John Cena anymore in 2023 in that capacity. I thought when they were having him, like, big up LA Knight that that was the direction they were going. And then it was just more John Cena nonsense. Uh, it just... And the thing about it is he's lost so much that him losing to Austin Theory didn't buoy Austin Theory at all. It just didn't give them the boost that they thought it would or they wanted it to. Right. Jeff Jarrett, though, consistently, and it's so frustrating because he's got a group with Jay Lethal. I know. I love Jay Lethal. God damn it. Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy. Every time they ran, it was great. Orange mm. Cassidy versus Jeff Jarrett was boring. And it was just a lot, throughout the years, just a lot of boring. And that Jeff Jarrett, yeah, he made so much of the, the so many of those segments worse. I think there's a place for Jeff Jarrett. I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's not a bad heel manager. But uh, when that bell rings, Kyle, yeah, that stuff has to end. It must, which is uh, like, I mean, it's absurd that between him and Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn is the one that we're like, yeah, more of that guy. (laughs) So that's the end of the worst episode. We're probably going to be splitting these up into two. So the next one is going to be the best and some predictions for Alan and I for the rest of this. So if you want to tune into that right away until then, we'll see you. So Rylan, we have made our way through the worst of the wrestling world. And now we are making our way to our favorite things for wrestling throughout this year. I will say this list was not as hard as the worst lists to put together. I had a lot of people that I really wanted to shout out, mm-hmm. but there were definitely some categories that were more difficult than others. So without further ado, let's begin. Most improved for the women's wrestling category last year, you had Athena and I had Willow Nightingale. Who do you have this year? I have Miss Julia Hart. Um, not only has her character come full circle, her in-ring has been fantastic over the last few months. Uh, per- great performances against Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale. Uh, the title win against Sky Blue and Chris Statlander at Full Gear was fantastic. Incorporating the moonsault into her repertoire has been great because she has a great-looking moonsault. And her mic works great. Like, her character work is great. Her being in the House of Black is great. So, more Julia Hart, please. I'm 100% with you. Julia Hart is such an integral part of that House of Black group. And they're so good. And she's the one thing that was always the question mark, because I've seen her wrestle before, and she's not bad. She's certainly athletic. She comes from a cheerleading background. So, like, you know, it stands to reason. But the one thing I kept waiting on was, you know, for her to really come into her own as a, as a wrestler. And now she has that down. She had a great match with Chris Statlander, which I enjoyed greatly. Um, and continues to wrestle really well on, on, t- on TV. And her character is, is fantastic and fits in with the group so well. That group is money. And Julia Hart should remain a part of it going forward. So, yeah, Julia Hart, 
shout out though to Tiffany Stratton. Uh, shout out to Tony Storm. Yes, Tony Storm as well. Well, Tony Storm, I think like she uh, she's <laughs> she's always been good. She just it's just so like up and down. But but no, escaping from the the outcasts, that is it, it fair. May was an immediate improvement. That's fair, rather. Uh, Ryland for the men's category last year, you had Sami Zayn, and I had Ricky Starks tied with the acclaimed. Where are you going this year? I gotta give it to main event Jay Uso, man. Like this guy split away from the bloodline, was able to come onto Monday Night Raw, and I, you know, I the crowd takes to him like a main event guy. Like, this guy has transformed his career, which everyone kind of thought was strictly tag team wrestling, to a, sp- a point where he separated from the bloodline. He's had a world heavyweight title match a couple weeks ago on Raw with Seth Rollins. That was fantastic. Great, great stuff. Looks like he's getting into a big feud with Drew McIntyre, so that'll, that'll I'm sure, be great. And I, I, I don't know. The Yeet thing is taking off. The crowd is is going nuts for this guy. Well, so watching Survivor Series, like the amount of energy this guy is is exuding and uh, getting back from this crowd is is quite incredible. So yeah, Jey Uso, that's my pick. Yeah, it's a good choice. Among the people I consider, I have a lot of people that I could consider for this. There were yeah. a lot of. There was a good year. For Shout out to Baron Corbin too, because going back to NXT was the best thing for that guy's career. One hundred percent. Uh, Swerve Strickland, though. Like, there are some people who went from okay to good, and there are some people who, like, he always had greatness. He always felt like a star to me. But this year was just, it just raised it to that even higher level. And he feels like a main eventer in AEW now. Right. And that's really cool to see, because he deserves it. And it goes to show, you know, the one thing I'll say about AEW that WWE has caught on for a lot of things. The one thing that is still the holdout is that guys swear Strickland's size do not have a chance there. And he should be a champion. And I hope in 2023 that he is. 2024. Sorry, 2024, I hope that he is. So you say we're running out of time this year. Yeah, you raise a good point. Uh, 2024, we'd love to see him as champion. Best feud last year, you had Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and I had MJF and CM Punk. MJF? Sorry, you had MJF and CM Punk as well last year. That's my bad. This year, I have MJF and Brian Danielson. I thought that their feud was fantastic. Uh, it's funny that that we had we both enjoyed CM Punk and MJF, and it was the exact same pay per view it was heading towards that this one was. Uh, Revolution is kind of MJF's show. That's where he he goes out and has these all star performances, whether it be the the dog collar match or the Iron Man match, which was hard not to choose for match of the year for me this year. Like it was tremendous. It was, and uh, yeah, no, I I thought that these guys were everything they needed to be for one another. And it legitimized MJF as world champion and as one of the top guys in the world right now, I think. I think for me, the only thing that held that feedback, because that was definitely a high consideration, was how early they decided the match was going to be happening. Fair enough. That it just left this sort of weird lull in the middle of it. But I mean, the match more than made up for it. For me, the best feud, it was hard because I wanted to talk about, you know, Sami Zayn and, and the bloodline. 
which was an amazing feud uh, with the, some of the Kevin Owens inclusion stuff. But it went on for just way, way too long. There's other feuds like that that went on for way, way too long that you know paid off so nicely and then just kept going. The the Kenny Omega and Don Callis stuff is like keeps going. The devil stuff keeps going. Jesus. Everything keeps going. Things need to end. Um John Moxley and Hangman Beach for me. This just always felt so true to those characters. Yeah. Oh yeah. And all the matches they had were obviously violent, so very violent. But really, really good. I enjoyed seeing them. They we're in Winnipeg. We got to see them brawl for a bit. Like this yeah. was some of the stuff of the Blackpool Combat Club felt disjointed this year, but Hangman Page and John Moxley, anytime that they got to exchange, always felt like a, a good time. So that is that is my on my list here. So that's my best feud. Good choice. Best com- Best commentary team last year, you had Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, and I had uh, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz. I'm not going to say too much about this. Uh, I'm going to go first in this because I don't have much, too much to say. I had the same group. They're, they consistently are my favorites, so that's sort of what I go. I have, the, I have the exact same group as you. Big shout-out to Taz because Taz has come so far in being one of the best commentators. That, uh, uh, Taz is an excellent color guy. Yeah, absolutely. But the inclusion of Nigel McGinnis on pay-per-views has been very welcome. Mm, uh, he adds another layer to this group that I... And and him and big shout-out to him and uh, Kevin Kelly on on um, Collision. They, they've been doing a great job as well. Um, but no, Nigel McGuinness with this group is my pick for this year, just because I think that he's only been, he's only added to the group and that's, it's hard to like a Ford man booth. Mm, 100%. Uh, best tag team last year was really easy. We both had FTR. They had such a good 2022. Where are you going this year for best tag team? Um, listen, uh, it, it, this was... This was hard because um, I think that there were ups and downs in the year, but Judgment Day has been consistent, if not anything. Their matches are always good. Dominic Mysterio had a breakout year in 2023. Rhea Ripley had a breakout year in 2023. Well, and Rhea Ripley's been at the top of the card for a long time, but truly 2023 set her apart then, or set this year apart than any other in her career. Uh, Damien Damien Priest is Mr. Money in the Bank. Finn Balor had a WrestleMania main event against Edge, uh, as well as a few other things. Don't get me wrong, like, there were lows to this. You you had mentioned the match at the the, Elimination Chamber. Uh, They they lost to Beth Phoenix, bro. Right, right. But again, I'm talking, like, throughout the summer, this group really kind of recaptured some of that flame that they could have had and separated themselves after the Edge stuff was over and done with. Them separating from that storyline only did wonders for them. They won the tag titles twice. You know, while I I will say, like, the combination of Cody, Sammy, and KO against them on Raw for, like, eight to ten weeks was a bit ridiculous, I, I didn't see a match of theirs that I went like, oh, that was a bad match. It's just, you know, you can put on a great match 30 times in a row and it's still a great match. So I, I think that a lot of these guys have been elevated. And Finn Balor's a guy who we've been waiting to be elevated for a long time. We don't necessarily want it in a group, 
but I'd rather him have the TV time than not. So I have to go with give it to the Judgment Day. They've been doing. They've had a good year. I also went with a group for this one for best tag team, and it's so far and away my favorite tag team going right now. It's House of Black. Bad feeling. They're so good. They are. They're very good. Malachi Black has this character down perfectly. They have uh, an absolute wrecker in Brody King who adds agility for his size as well. They have Buddy Matthews, who's just an amazing match machine. You give him 10 minutes with anybody, he pulls out an amazing match. And then Julia Hart coming into her own as well and being the only member of that team right now that's holding gold. The only thing that kept me away from House of Black this year, because I do agree that they were definitely a contender, is simply TV time. I do agree that they need more, but yeah, I I enjoyed them whenever I saw them throughout the year. They still remain sort of a key feature on pay-per-views and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. House of Black, for me, they were were my favorite group this year. Sure. Best wrestling moment last year, you had Sami Zayn in the War Games match, and I had Soraya returning. Where are you going this year? Oh, you're going to hate this. Uh, CM Punk returning at Survivor Series. Um, I roll or not, Kyle. Uh, it's It was a surreal thing. Uh, and I think that's the big feeling that a lot of people had. Sure, it was the Chicago crowd who was obviously going to go bananas for this. But just seeing CM Punk in a WWE atmosphere was something very strange. Um when he came into AEW, as much as it was like a, oh my God, it's been seven years. How this guy's been gone for so long. It, it just, it's different when you see him in WWE, I guess. And, and every appearance since then has been vastly different than any, he his character completely different than it was in, in AEW, I think so far. And maybe that's due to them going like, look, we need to rehab your character for some of these markets. And that totally makes sense. Like, obviously this guy was getting negative reactions in a lot of places that AEW was going to. And while he was playing up to it, then he's, you know, like a, a guy who, when you see him on a WWE TV screen in 2023, you're kind of like, huh? It's it's strange. It's strange. So, and, and and as a CM Punk fan, it was a cool moment for me. A really cool moment, especially considering that, I mean, I think even you said you didn't, you never thought they were going to do it. Oh, absolutely not. I didn't think they were ever going to do it. And they did. And credit to them for doing that. And credit to him for putting the stuff aside to do it. I still do hope that CM Punk has the end of his career that he wanted to, because I feel like it was going in that direction in AEW, and it just was never going to end up going that way for a multitude of reasons, some of which were CM Punk. Yeah. Um, I hope that he has come away from that situation knowing what he needs to bring to the table to get to the place where he wants to be uh, to end his career the proper way. And if I'm being really honest, him ending his career in WWE, that makes way more sense than it did in AEW. Um, did you see that segment with him and Kofi Kingston? Uh, I Yeah, I did see that. Uh, it wasn't even the Kofi Kingston thing. It was the ricochet burn that I loved the best. <laughs> I, I hear you're terrible at video games. Oh man, um, she's good at other stuff though. Let Ricochet be good. No, hey. <laughs> um, for me, the trial of Sami Zayn is one of the best bits of television I watched in 2023. 
let alone wrestling. It was so captivating and had the like a giant story arc. It was only like 10 minutes. Yeah. And but it was so good. The the character work was incredible. All of the acting from these guys, Jay Uso being being the one to, to rescue Sammy. Solo there is this intimidating one gonna give Sammy the Simone Spike. Everything that Sammy did was also always fantastic. Uh Paul Heyman as the prosecuting attorney, he was great throughout it, and Roman Reigns brooding there in the corner. And it was very it was just a really, really well done segment. And I go back and watch it, watched it multiple times, and I still enjoy it. So uh, the trial of Sami Zayn, my favorite wrestling moment. Fair. I, I we'll, we'll talk about that again, I guess. So for best theme music last year, you had Ricky Starks' theme music, and I had Dark Sarad of TR uh, FTR's theme. Where are you going this year, Kyle? Do you know when I drive? I swerve when I drive. Um. <laughs> this the Swerve Strickland theme song. I can't remember the name of it. I I have it on my phone. It is insatiably uh like catchy. Um, I didn't even. Re- it's been his theme song the entire time he's been in AEW. But for whatever reason, his character going through the the moon this year really highlighted that. And also, I think Prince Nana did a number on that song too. And also the story of of, hi, of him seeing Prince Nana do that for the first time and not expecting it and just kind of going like, all right, well, that works. That works. We can we can continue to do this. It's made uh, that song better. Sorry. The song seems to be called Big Pressure. Yes, Big Pressure. I have it on my phone, like I said. Um, it's it's a catchy as all hell, and it suits that character so well. So I, I for me, that one's the best one this year. Uh, for me, it was a one-off theme, and it was uh, "Ghost Riders in the Sky" for Hangman Page. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I wish this became this theme song. Yes, and it the makes best, the most sense. What's frustrating about it is I already love Hangman Page's theme music. It just yeah. makes you want to play Red Dead Redemption. But <laughs> "Ghost Riders in the Sky" is such a good theme for him. Yes, and like if we're gonna replace it, that's the one to replace it with. So that was my favorite. Uh, women's best on the mic last year. You had Becky Lynch and I had Britt Baker. Where are you going this year? This year, it's got to be Becky Lynch again. I, for me, she's put in a lot of work. The Trish feud, she did great stuff with with Trish in that that feud. Going down to NXT and working with Tiffany Stratton and a lot of the women down there has been great for NXT. This woman like drew a huge number. A lot of people forget that. She drew a huge number for NXT, the biggest number they've had in years. And I like I just think that again, like when it comes to women on the microphone, it's really hard to go up against the confidence of a Becky Lynch. Bianca Belair is uh, like she's great, but her she she had a period of time this year where she disappeared for a while and you know, like I just feel like Becky Lynch has done a great job. And again, I, I can't think of another woman that, for me, anyway, uh, shout out to Rhea Ripley. It, but for me, Rhea Ripley is good, but it's it's a character. Whereas yeah. Becky Lynch, I feel like, is more way more genuine. Um, you might be surprised by this. And maybe this is just... You better not fucking say Nia Jax. No. How much uh, she has grown as a promo uh, over the years. Bailey. Continues yeah. to carry segments 
like again, the damage control stuff has been disjointed and everything about it is just very odd. Especially its continuation. I don't know where they're going with the story, and I feel like it should have paid off already. But Bailey has been a she has been a welcome annoyance um, on on uh, my TV screen whenever I have tuned in to see her, and she just has this character so down now. Uh, the heel character as, and her, you know, jovial silliness and the way that she can make that really grating. Uh, Bailey for me, one hundred percent. Okay, okay, I like that. That's left field, Kyle. That's left field. Men's best on the mic last year at MJF. I had Chris Jericho. Where are you going this year? I got a tie. I got a tie this year. I couldn't. I could not pick between the two of them. Uh, number one, and there, we we got one WWE guy, one AEW guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Rhodes, man. Cody Rhodes goes out there every week and has improved so tremendously in the WWE. Yes, he's very much so Cody Rhodes. But for whatever reason, the way they've presented him and the way that he's articulated himself in the WWE has been way more appealing. The crowd has taken to him. And I think part of the stuff that I had a problem with him in AEW is the crowd wanted him to turn heel. So they were booing him incessantly. And he was playing up to it. For yeah. whatever reason, the WWE fans have zero desire to see this guy be heel. They love Cody Rhodes. It's such an easy story to root for, though. Like, him right. returning to, to WWE is such an easy story to root for. And, God, uh, after seeing his pack turn purple, I don't think anyone can ever move him again. That's right. So, it's hard to argue that this guy is, like, number one, he's super consistent. Like, I have not seen him have a bad promo in the WWE outside of him quoting Tupac before WrestleMania last year. That was a choice. That was a choice. And it was a bad one. Um, but, uh, I just, yeah, I, I big ups to Cody Rhodes. I think that he was super tremendous. But the guy who I have right there, one and one A with him, is Christian Cage. Christian Cage's heel work has been tremendous. He has made fun of everyone's dead dad. Like, yeah, like when you when you are a wrestler and your father has passed and you are going into AEW, he's got a lock on you, man. Uh, the work he's done bringing up Nick Wayne, who has I only th- I think benefited from being lo- linked with Christian Cage. Uh, I think that to a certain degree, Killswitch has as well. It's still weird to say it like that. Mm. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I, I think they're hinting at a, a, a turn. And quite frankly, if you've changed his name, then leave him with Christian, in my opinion. Like, there's no need for that right now. Yeah. I am not, I'm not interested in a, a babyface run at this point. Um. But I just, I, again, every time he gets on the mic, and number one, people pay attention because they're like, what the fuck is he going to say this week? And when you're in a company with a guy like MJF, to be 50 years old and the best talker in the company, I think that says a lot of things about who you are as a wrestler and maybe how underrated you have been your entire career. That's an excellent choice. Christian Cage has had a really, really good 2023. I went with another, an out there choice as well. Uh, for best on the mic, it's Paul Heyman. All right. All right. Yeah. He has added so much to that Roman Reigns character. And it's even during the matches, 
where he's begging his tribal chief to get up. Like, Paul Heyman was always a very good, like, during matches talker, which is an underrated skill for a manager. Yes. To know that you're going to be picked up by the mic, or even if you don't know, and to just, like, he's so good at, like, you know, rallying things on, and he feels like such a genuine character in that in that way. Um, but yeah, he, he is such a good suck up to Roman. Uh, he had sparring battles with, you know, Cody and while the content of that was a little odd, uh, his work was excellent. He's just been great the whole year. And I know that Roman is going to be going, moving away from this at some point, but I do think. Paul Heyman, I feel like it's got to be the one that's there till the end. See, Paul Heyman is a guy, that's a great choice, by the way. Uh, Paul Heyman's a guy who, no matter what position he's in, you want to know what, like, we haven't even seen the interaction between him and Punk yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that people are anticipating, but they don't know they're anticipating because they haven't even seen it yet. You know what I yeah, mean? 100%. That's the thing. Everyone's going to talk about, you know, Punk and Roman. That's not the promo. That's no. the so the promo was punk and and Heyman, especially considering how much history they have. Yes, yes. There's there that's gonna be great. There's gonna a be lot great. you can mind there. Um promo of the year. Last year you had MJF's promo on Tony Khan, and I had William Regal's promo on MJF. God, I love that promo. Uh, where are you going for promo of the year this year? This is where I slotted trial of Sami Zayn, actually. Interesting. Um, because look, uh, you know, there's been like a shout out to Will Ospreay who going into his match with Chris Jericho cut uh, an amazing promo, which he said bruv in like 17 times, but is very inspired for a bruv promo. Um, and it was super, super good. MJF has done some very good work this year, but like there's been a lot of stuff that I've just been kind of like eh with. Um Ooh. The trial of Sami Zayn, as you said earlier, was an incredible t- moment in time in wrestling. And I think it's one of those, like, you, like, you know how, like, in the 90s, they had the beer truck, they had the milk truck, they had the, the moment where Austin stunned McMahon for the first time. I, I think that um, the trial of Sami Zayn stands the test of time as one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm... it... Sorry, go ahead. Go on, no, you finish. I was just going to say, I think it was perfect. Like you said, Paul Heyman was incredible in it. Jey Uso was incredible in it. Uh, Roman, like, you know, we 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 talk about how much we would like Roman Reigns to no longer be champion. But the work that this guy does just physically sitting there, not even saying anything, and how captivating he is as a character is, what, is bar none. Like, what's so bizarre about that is that's what he was so good at when he was with The Shield, too. Yeah, he's just sit and look tough. The context is different, but the character is still, you know, the bad things that Roman has always been good at. He's still good at. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I have a, I had like honorable mentions. I MJF had just a whole bunch throughout the year. Honorable mention for the the four horsemen a match getting announced, mostly just because I was just very excited for that whole situation because it happened in Winnipeg and it was live. Yes. Um, in front of us? The four, the four pillars. The four pillars. Yes. Four, sorry, four horse. Uh, four pillars. Yes. Four pillars uh, announced uh, that that 
which ended up being a banger of a match. But I was gonna say if if Tully Blanchard wrestled Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and Lex Luger, the two or whoever uh, else was in that group, I mean, I, I missed that. I mean, Lord, Ric Flair would book it anyway. Uh, yeah, it the it was such a perfect segment. And is one, again, they call it one of the best bits of television throughout the year. I mean that. It was very, very good. And if you haven't seen it recently, go back and watch it. It was excellent. Yeah, it was a really good segment. Cool to see it live, too. Knowing that we saw that live was really cool. Mm. Um, Best acrobatic match. It's funny that we talk about that because that's my best acrobatic match of the year. MJF's not an acrobat. I, I shouldn't say, sorry. After some of the spots he hit in that Jay White match and some of the things he does that he doesn't do very often, he can do whatever he wants. But when it comes to a Lucha more, a more Lucha style, you've got guys like Sammy Zayn, or sorry, uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and Darby Allen, and they're nuts, all of them. Um, so this match just had all the key pieces, and honestly... For me, like while it wasn't the main event that night, it, in a way, it stole the show when it comes to pure wrestling. That's a good. That's a good choice. Um, mine is House of Black versus Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Elite uh, at the Dynamite in Winnipeg. Great match, great match. That was really good. I still have some of that clip and some of those clips from that match. Uh, it's it was so good. It was, it was so much. And it was, you got the, the Winnipeg moment of the, the two of them brawling in the middle. But everybody was time. There was, Brody King was doing stage dives on everybody. It was just, everybody was hitting everything all at once. And it was just a chaotic, really fun match between the three groups. And I enjoyed it greatly. I got to see it in person. So. Oh, by the way, last year you had Puck, uh, Clark Connors, Miro, and Malachi Black at Forbidden Door. And I had Wheeler, Yuta, Ray Phoenix, Roosh, and Dante Martin on uh, an AEW Dynamite August 31st. So this year we're going in different directions, but multi-man matches. Great for acrobatics. Yep. Rylan, it's time for best Haas fight. Last year you had Seamus versus Gunther at Clash the Castle, and I had Miro and Eddie Kingston at All Out. Where are you going this year? I'm going Miro and Hobbs because it was the best Haas fight of the year. It got all the chance you wanted to get. The, the amount of meat combinations and beef combinations that we got from that crowd in, in Chicago was unreal. And honestly, Miro and Hobbs has no business going 16 minutes and being entertaining. So the fact that they went almost 20 minutes and they were able to keep the crowd the entire time is a testament to how good those guys really are. That was a great match, and it was my runner-up. Okay. But I was never quite able to get past the fact that Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus WrestleMania that match yeah. was so good. It was very good. It was very it was good. so good. And God, they they all chopped the hell out of each other. Seamus is doing the best work of his career, which is saying something. Drew McIntyre kind of disappeared after that match, which is very sad. And Gunther, how many pay-per-views has he been the best match on? Yeah, this it, year? it's pretty incredible, actually. So 
yeah, he's that was definitely a consideration. Uh, but yeah, that was my favorite host fight of the year. Best pay-per-view. This one's gonna be interesting. I don't know if there was a definitive answer there was last year. We um but we were different last year. Last year you said Forbidden Door and I said full gear. I think those were the two that were kind of at the top for both of us. Right. What are you doing this year? Well, I've got Wrestle Dream scratched out, and I've got WWE Backlash scratched out. Uh, I do want to touch on them because I do think that they were important in one way, shape, or form. Wrestle Dream had one of the coolest endings with Edge, or I guess Adam Copeland, making his debut in AEW. Whether you're uh, aware of the fact that this guy's 50 years old and very limited, it was a cool moment. It was a super cool moment, and it made AEW look super cool. Uh, WWE Backlash was a surprise because they booked this for Puerto Rico a few months out and people kind of went okay that's interesting we'll see what that's like the crowd was incredible the entire time uh and you had a match with bad bunny versus damian priest that was great um and you know made bad bunny look like he you know obviously took it very seriously and regardless as to what anyone felt about cody and brock uh they had a great match too and the right guy won over um so it it was and it was a feud that I enjoyed actually throughout the summer. If it was one of those, like if if the story's not finished yet, it was a chapter that I enjoyed. It was him ultimately going over Brock Lesnar big and uh, never seceding to him over a pinfall or anything. Um, he just he had a, a cool moment and that's where it started. So I thought that that pay per view was good, but but that was not my my one of the year. A W Revolution. That's that's 100 where we're going with this. Like I said, the Iron Man match was great. I believe that's where the House of Black won the trios titles off the movie. Um, it was. And it, it just it was a great start for AEW with a year of pay per views. Um, I think that this, when it comes to AEW paper or this year, had some of the more weaker AEW pay-per-views of all time. I feel like they were consistently very good throughout the time or throughout the time that the company has been around, but this year was rough and, and revolution was one that stood out as a very, very good one. Yeah. That's where I went to. Revolution was very, very good. Honorable mention to double or nothing with the unfortunate Part of Double or Nothing being that there were a couple matches in there that just really dragged that show down. Yeah. But, man, oh man, was Revolution a good show. All the reasons you just said. Uh, MJF and Danielson was an incredible match. Um, Wardlow and Joe, those two just have really good chemistry. Hangman Page and Moxley, as I mentioned before, with that, that feud, God, that was an amazing match. Was. And Jamie Hader. Delivered in a big way, too. Also, the final burial match, I think what we both said at the time, was the best buried alive match we'd ever seen. I'm still holding to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the right, that was the correct answer. It was revolution, I think. So, women's match of the year. The match of the year, I think, is going to be really hard this year because there were a lot of candidates. But women's match of the year last year, you had Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And I had Hikaru Shida and Jamie Hayter on a late, late episode of Dynamite on the 23rd of December. Where are you going this year? I got to give it to Charlotte and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. I, uh, 
I had a hard time going back and trying to figure out which one really stood out as the best. And when it comes to number one, what the impact was on the, the person who won being Rhea Ripley and just how it's carried on since then, like, I feel like no other women's match has had the same impact on, on, you know, the story and the character. Uh, Rhea Ripley has been super hot this year and she really benefited from that win over Charlotte. And honestly, they had a tremendous match. Well, well, like a lot of people really love their, their uh, 2020 WrestleMania match. And while it's a good match, this match was different. The right person won. That was the difference. <laughs> sure. And there was a crowd there. Yes. Um, I, I'm fully with you. This was a, an excellent match. It was a great showing for Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair, for everything everybody always says about her, especially at WrestleMania, she delivers. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, yeah, Charlotte Flair. That was a, It was just a great match. And it was a great way to see Rhea Ripley. I think it had to be Charlotte. And I'm glad that she was able to beat Charlotte. And I think it meant a lot that that was where we're going. Right. Men's match of the year. You, uh, last year, you had um, FTR Briscoe's three. And I had House of Black versus Death Tyrant Triangle at double nothing. Where are you going this year? Angman Page and Swerve in the De Texas Death Match. Uh, late addition to the year, but. Uh, contenders were Christian versus Darby Allen at, um, I believe it was All Out. Uh, or no, sorry. Was it All Out? No, it was Wrestle Dream. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, Orange Cassidy's uh, two matches with Moxley, one of them being at All Out, that was also a contender for me. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door was a contender for me. But... You talked earlier about how Swerve has arrived and he's really come into his own this year and been super, you know, his character's improved and everything. I think this match might have been the, the nail in the coffin for that. I think this match would have might have been that moment where people realized whoever wasn't on the Swerve fence or who was ever, whoever was on the fence with Swerve, I think they, they, they figured out after that match that this is a guy that is going to be the future of wrestling. Um, that was a great choice. Um, on among uh, my other ones, I, I the Texas death match as well between uh Paige and, and Moxley stood out. In my yes, head. um, I also had a couple of the matches that you mentioned, and you know, my bad, I'll start to there was a uh, hypothetically in that list as well. I had a hard time picking between two matches. And the thing that puts the winner over the other one is the callbacks and how much like fun the match was and how like amazing it felt for a match that seemed like it should have had a foreground conclusion. It was just an incredible match. Um, my runner-up this year is uh, Forbidden Door, Osprey, and Omega. God, that was an amazing match. And that one was hard, hard to top. But Jack Perry versus Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara versus MJF. Four pillars match. For a... 
It's du- double or nothing, by the way. For a show that, or for a program that had such an uneven build, such an odd build throughout the year, the match delivered right. in every possible way. And it called back everything. We got, you know, so many really, really great moments. <laughs> MJF hitting that crossroads again. Um MJF yelling while there while people were uh I can't remember who it was who's jumping off the I think it was Art Darby um jumping off the, the top ropes. Um all of them delivered in this match in a huge way. And MJF winning, especially with the headlock takeover and everything, it's just it was just such a perfect match yeah. for me. So that was that was my uh my choice for, for match of the year. Women's Wrestler of the Year. Last year, you had Bianca Belair, and I had Tony Storm. Who have you got this year? For me, it's got to be Rhea Ripley. Um, this is a, a lady who, going into the Royal Rumble last year, you know, like, the, Judgment Day was doing their thing, but it wasn't quite there yet. Well, this year, I think that group fully arrived, and Rhea Ripley fully arrived. Uh, winning the title off Charlotte was great. Being able to become the, and then, you know, obviously getting the, the switch uh, uh, to becoming the women's world champion. She's had great matches uh, with almost everybody. Uh, and she's uh, over. She's super over. Like, it's, it, you don't hear a lot of reactions like that. Um, anymore like Cody Rhodes is super over Jay Uso is super over but Rhea Ripley is I think for me anyway gotten to a Becky Lynch level of over for a woman for a, a female talent and maybe maybe y- you would disagree but I I don't know like I for me I think she's right there yeah I think you're I think you're you're not wrong I think Rhea Ripley is, is she's so over she's so talented uh and the character really came together this year so especially i mean she's had good characters before she's had great matches before this is one of my favorite matches of all time um and uh, a war games match in the past but for me i was between a few people and then i kept coming back to the fact that god did athena have such a good year this year athena she was the best thing going on Ring of Honor the entire year, which is saying something because there have been real, a few really good stories in Ring of Honor. Right. Um, consistently, her character, the character that she's built as this, you know, violent, sadistic trainer and leader. Um, I remember seeing her uh, in a, I think it was a dark match too. Yes. At when well, we were just at Denver in Winnipeg, and it was one of the harshest bumps I've ever seen in my life. The power bomb to the outside, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's just been heard like that all year, and I'm it makes me so happy after seeing Amber Moon as a character who went to the main roster and they just ruined. I'm so glad to see that Athena is. Getting the flowers she deserves, and I think people are really starting to take notice. And frankly, I can't wait for her to come back to AEW because I think she's going to wreck shop when she does. I'm pretty sure she's she's main eventing the next Ring of Honor paper. She is. Yeah, they've made it very clear that the women are main eventing. Yep, and 
she fully deserves it. Which goes to show. And sometimes, you know, you can just book women well, and it goes well. Who knew? Well, he he doesn't have, Tony Khan doesn't have the book for all of Ring of Honor. He's got help from uh, our friend Bivens. Bivens. Man, Bivens was, by the way, he was in consideration for, um, uh, for Talker of the Year, by the way. But it's fair. We need more TV. We need more Bivens on TV. Final category, we have men's match, or men's wrestler of the year. Um, last year you had Kenny Omega and I had a tie between Sami Zayn and Pac. Where are you going this year? Um, I'm going, uh, or sorry, sorry, or, I'm going Orange Cassidy. It's a good choice. Uh, international champion all year long, except for that bout with, uh, Moxley and Phoenix winning it for, you know, a few weeks. Um, just tremendous matches week in and week out selling his hand sto- telling stories in these matches something that people claim that he couldn't do um and having one of the best matches of the year with John Moxley all out just covered in blood beaten bloodied broken and, and again regained the title and is continuing to push the envelope when it comes to what you know like People look at this guy when he first came into AEW and they hated the character, but he's evolved so much from that original run of that character. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, again, I have a hard time seeing anybody who had had that many consistent good matches week in and week out. Um, yeah, Orange Cassidy was the best this year. Uh, for me, it's Will Ospreay. There his you go. character okay. really came into his own this year. And then just getting to see him come over to, to do the AEW shows, um, had, you know, just incredible matches wherever he went. So many companies. And then Forbidden Door, the stuff he did, the stuff he did overall with Kenny Omega this year was just unreal. And it was so exciting to see big match machine Kenny again. And, you know, Kenny was a consideration for this one, but for me, Will Ospreay epitomizes that sort of renegade spirit of go anywhere, have amazing matches, and then go somewhere else. Uh, people have been raving about the matches he's had throughout the year. A street ball Mike Bailey. Uh, people raved about that one. Um, everything Josh, he's in New Japan. Josh Alexander, and he's doing that one again, I believe. Yeah. We're seeing some great stuff from Will Ospreay, who's really starting to make, who's really starting to come stateside too and deliver some great matches. So I can't wait to see more of him next year. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the end of the best of the wrestling. But before we go, we have some predictions to do. Yes. Kyle, you have burning questions. I've once again put together a list of 21 predictions. We are going to be going through them and giving yes or no answers to whether or not we believe this thing is going to happen in the year 2024. Are you ready? Let's go. Number one, CM Punk wins a world title. I do believe that's going to happen, yes. I think I'm with you. Yeah, I think CM Punk's winning a world title. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, he's going to win something. I think probably the World Heavyweight Championships where we're going to go with CM Punk. Yeah. Maybe it actually, that could easily be at WrestleMania too. It really could. And honestly, like Kyle, like that 
only makes that world heavyweight title a little bit like people say the man or the, the title makes them or some some people think the title makes the man but i think like seth rollins has tried but seth rollins has been in there with opponents that everyone knows seth rollins is going over yeah and it doesn't hasn't done anything for that title having cm punk hold that title might help that title yeah thank you right number two tna announces a big new tv deal I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors that there is something in the works. So it's difficult um, considering that their their parent company there owns the channel they're on. Um, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that they're going to ride the year out as TNA and see if they can pick up any steam. I think you, I'm in the same boat as you. I think it's coming, but I don't think it's coming yet. So I'm going to say no for now, but they'd be a great addition to a streaming service. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we will see what happens. I, I would count that as TV, by the way. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, they sign a big deal on Netflix or something like that. And yeah, that counts as TV. Um, number three, a star AEW wrestler joins TNA. Joins TNA. Yes. A star. Um, I'll say like a big name. A big name. Um, I'm just trying to think of contracts and who's. I don't think so. I, I'm going to go with no on that one. This is a hard one for me. I think I'm also going to go no, but I'm not sold. I think, I also think that there might be a working relationship between these two companies because there certainly has been in the past. Right. So it wouldn't shock me to see some people go across, but officially sign with TNA, I think I'm also going to go no. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but. Right. Which leads us to number four a major WWE wrestler joins TNA. Seth Rollins' contract is up. I'm just kidding. Um, I I'm also gonna go no. I, I I just I think again. I think that the roster they have now is fine, and the indie scene is vast. Like you don't have to necessarily hope for a big star to come over. I again, if we're not talking a TV deal this year, then what do they need a, a star more than they have? When you, if you, if we were talking a TV deal this year, I think they'd have to try and land somebody. Mm-hmm. But and 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 if it, the rumors are true of what they were willing to offer Will Osprey, then obviously they have the money to you know really throw at somebody. But it, 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 we'll see who the next few few free agents uh, end up being. Okay, um, I am going to go yes actually for this one. Okay, I think there's a possibility. The road, the path to it is pretty straightforward to me. Is it's a cut going to across. And I think there are some people in the WWE roster who I wouldn't shock me if they got cut. It's fair. So, number five. A combined four uh, major wrestlers go from AEW to WWE or vice versa. Four or more, I should say. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we're going to see more of this happen going right. forward. Because why not? 
Right. Take take the best deal for you. Get yourself an opportunity. If it's not working out in the current company, there's no harm in going over to the other one. Right. I have names for both companies. I would love to see in the other. So we will see. Free ricochet. Um, <laughs> number six, Nigel McInnes returns to the wrestling ring. I'm going to go yes on this one. I think Dan, uh, I think Brian Danielson is going to wear him down throughout the rest of the year. It's it makes sense given given that it's going to be Danielson's last full time year. Um, and if McGinnis is going to come out of retirement, why would you face anyone else? Like it, you don't need to do a, a retirement tour. You did that already. You want to do one more match? He's he, you know he's in good shape. You can see it. Um. You know, if you're going to do one more match, you might as well do it with the guy who you had your most famous match with. I'm going to say no, but the, I, if it does happen, it'll happen at Webley. Yeah. But that's why I think it's going to happen. And also, I think that, that that match saves the ticket sales to that show. Interesting. I mean, they're not doing badly. Let's no, they're not. Absolutely not. You're right. They're not doing badly. But to know that they're aiming lower this year, and I think it's because they got outed at the fact that they definitely lied about the the, the amount of tickets they sold to that thing. Um, they always do. This, this no, is part of the business. He was so adamant, though, Kyle. He was so adamant. It's that part of the business. Um, yeah, they all... WWE lies about called it the biggest wrestling show of all time. Of course he did. That's what he's gonna do. Uh, anyway, neither here nor there. Um, number seven. This is an interesting one. NXT's last pay per view of the year has a main roster star on it. So this is more. The question is more. Is there going to be a roster split for NXT in this year? And I figure, I figure I'd measure it by the last pay-per-view of the year. Okay, so what do you like? What do you what do you mean? A roster split, as in like they're going to stick to? So, smack. are we going to have a main? Are we going to have main roster people continuing to go to NXT and wrestle big matches? Yeah, I absolutely. I think it's working, and I think that you don't need to do it all the time. But I could see a CM Punk going down there to do some matches with guys, you know, in an interim between a big angle for him. I could see uh, Seth Rollins doing it again. Like, it just, it makes sense. Because the number one, th there's a rating there that it's con been consistent. Um, and number two, it, you know, like, I don't think it's done any harm. Like, it, look at, like, again, we talked earlier about how Baron Corbin's had kind of a really good 2023 in a sense that he was able to go down there and wow, one of those matches exposed how bad Gable Stevenson is still is. Um, his character work has been great. He's been able to be efficient with the, and, and put guys over. This is going to be a little more hopeful. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm pretty adamant about this, especially now that they have their TV deal. Let this be a development show. You've got so much talent down there that are consistently wrestling really well. And it's showing because the pipeline to the main roster has been heavy. They're calling people up left, right, and center. And justifiably, I think they should. I also think that NXT should participate in the brand split. If they do a brand split show, 
next year, NXT should partake in it. Grab some wrestlers and call them their own and keep them there. People who need more time, more seasoning, another, maybe a career refresh or character refresh. I feel like that's the great opportunity for it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the NXT's last pay-per-view of the year is just what we call strictly NXT people. Okay. Uh, number eight, Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian. feel like it's so far away but because that's that's the thing it's like christian is such a good heel right now that i feel like to get there we would either need to turn one or the other and like i don't want either of that um although i mean adam copeland is a heel like that would be interesting um i think if you don't do it in 2024 you probably shouldn't do it ever because i mean these guys are at the age where there's going to be expectations and god knows they're not going to meet them but we always say at the end of the year, like, holy shit, that was a year ago. Yeah. We, 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 we always say that. So I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm also going to say yes. Why not? <laughs> like, it just feels like a thing that they've got all the pieces there. Yeah. You know, all the chess pieces are on the table. At a certain point, you've got to, like, make them. They could probably even get the Dudleys. They, they honestly probably could. If those guys still want to wrestle, which, I, yeah, Bully probably would. So, time will tell. Number nine, Matt Cardona joins AEW or WWE. I don't know why he would. I don't know why he would. That's the thing is, I think he's. I think he knows he's doing good doing his own thing. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think he's going to just. I think he's just doing his own thing. Maybe, may, maybe to work with his wife, but like. Yeah, I was I was so sure I was going to say no. I'm going to say yes. I think I feel like his career is going to end in WWE. Fair. I feel like he's going to get that you know golden parachute, whatever it happens to be. His his retirement is going to be. I feel like he's going to end his career in WWE. And frankly, like AEW is going to. Like could use a Matt Cardona. Anybody could use a Matt Cardona. He's built himself into an amazing character. And I think the modern WWE, the Triple H WWE, recognizes amazing characters, you know, in a way better than they, they did before. So I think there's something there. Number 10. I quite like this one. Dustin Rhodes appears in WWE. Yes. I think he gets inducted this year. Interesting. He's he's I think his contract is up before the the Hall of Fame would be. I think he's gonna get the induction. Interesting. I didn't consider that. Um, I think yes, also, because I think it's too good a moment of for Cody at the end of his uh title win. Right. For Dustin to be there. So I'm gonna say yes. Even if in just in the crowd, I think that might account. So Anyway, right. we'll say yes. Number 11. WWE ends the brand split. Uh, no. No, I think that 
the problem with the brand split this year, as it is every year, is that it didn't actually exist. And guys showed up on each of their other shows and whatever. But we have to remember that there was a period of time at the beginning of this year where Vince was running the show. Yeah. And it is, by all accounts, uh, it looks like that is no longer the case. Uh, at least from a standpoint of the day-to-day show. Like, I'm sure he has input and decisions and whatever else, but he's stare, staying away. You can see the small little things that Triple H is trying to do to get that brand split back in place. They made a big deal about Jey Uso signing to Raw. They have general managers now in the positions of Raw and SmackDown. CM Punk is signed to Raw. You know what I mean? Like, they they're trying to make it legit in a sense that they know that they there's work to do here. They know that they have to separate it somehow. So I don't think it goes anywhere. I think 2024 is the year we start to see it very serious. I'm going to say no as well. I agree with you. I think that they've put the general managers in place. Here's I'm going to call my shot a little bit. I think he's allowed to appear on television at some point this year. I think Regal returns as NXT's GM. Ooh, yeah. That would actually be great. That would actually be great. I would... God damn, Kyle, you're a genius. Um, number 12. Adam Cole wins a singles title in AEW. Um, I'll go yes, just because we don't really know how long he's supposed to be out or if he's actually hurt, so... I want to say no. I think I think there's just too many other things that they can do with him. I know it's such an easy story for him to take the title off of MJF, but I think there are other options that might be better. Yeah, I agree. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. And then if it's not that title, I don't see him winning like the TNT title. So I'll say no. Number thirteen, Ruby Soho wins a title in AEW. I'll tell you one thing. This is, I'll say this. If she does not win a title in 2024 in AEW, I think she'll find a way back to the WWE. Um, I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Not unless they put a tag division in. I'm going to say yes. There's got to be some way. There has to. It's so easy for her to beat Soraya. It's right there. But, but Tony Storm is the champion. Oh, that's fair. You know, regardless, it's so easy for you to tyrannize Storm too. Like I think, I think there's a way to get it back and forth. I think you could do the triple threat. Yeah, honestly, be good. and I think Ruby winning that would be huge. Number fourteen, Jade Cargill wins the women's or world women's championship. No. Interesting. Um, I'm also going to say no. I think she's going to go to NXT. I think yeah, they're going I, to get her there. I, I think so, too. I think, I, honestly, with the CW thing coming up, I think NXT is the perfect spot for her. She, We know she's a star. She's known all over the wrestling community. So developmental is kind of where she needs to be. That's all from all accounts. We've heard she's not there yet. So if she's not there yet, then that's there's nothing. There's no shame in hanging out in NXT. You uh, off air called Shawn Michaels the Booker of the Year this year. I did. I I stand by that. Yeah. Um. I I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen this year, and I think the NXT Championship would be a really good thing for Jake Cargill. Agreed. Honestly, 
if you really want it. And the thing is, the downside is that I'd like to see her at WrestleMania just because I want to see that entrance. Right. But that can happen at 41, too. Yeah, it can. Number 15. The WWE tag titles are split up. Yes. Yes, I do. I do think we're going to have separate, like, again, with with the idea that we're going to, I think we're going to have a, a very serious separate brands this year, which I, which is something, man, I feel like I say every year. Yeah. But right. knowing, knowing that Vince is, is not in control or is at least not doing that the time being, time of recording, uh, Knock on um, it, it, it gives me more hope. I, I've seen, stuff they're trying to do with the tag division on Raw in the last few weeks. And they're, you know, like when you're having matches with the Creeds versus Imperium and DIY and 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 uh, the Shoosh Brothers there, uh, Alpha Academy, like they're, it's, they're, they brought out Endushir, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to do something. It's going to take time. You've got to rehab divisions when they've been nothing for so long, right? So it makes the most sense if you're going to separate the brands to have separate tag titles. I think you need to get rid of the Raw and SmackDown thing, though. I think the world uh, tag champions and the WWE tag champions makes the most sense. I agree. I think that's the way they should go. And I agree that they're going to split the tag titles up. I just... It doesn't make sense. There's so much good tag team wrestling. And frankly, I, if that four people is going to happen, I could see a tag team coming over to WWE. Agreed. Number 16. AEW removes a title. No, they're adding one at the end of the month. Are you kidding me? No. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is that, Are they going to remove one after they've had it? I can't think of one they would. That's the thing. Like, I don't think the TNT title's going anywhere, especially if it's on Christian's shoulder. They'll never let that thing go. TBS Championship makes sense right now because you need a lower-tier women's title so we can at least get more than one women's, women's match on a pay-per-view. The fact that that only happened once this year, disgusting, by Absurd. the way. Absurd. Absolutely. Um, but... Uh, the trios title still makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that any titles, I, I, I would be surprised if by the end of this year, we don't have another title. I think, I think they're going to get rid of one. Yes. I don't know what yet. It's hard to say at this point, but I do think what we're going to do is I think they're going to have a match between two champions and have them unify it. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't know which ones. I feel like the TNT Championship, it's a good name, but Jesus, it is poison. They need to find a champion to, like, run that thing. But, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think they're going to... Why they have Christian, man? That's why yeah, they have Christian. I think they're going to delete a title at some point. Number 17. An unexpected first-time winner wins a Royal Rumble. An unexpected first-time winner. So CM Punk is not is not. In yeah, CM Punk is some catch. I think that that's why I said unexpected. Okay. Uh, no, then I I I think you're going to be very disappointed with the Royal Rumble this year because I think it's going to be predictable. Which is honest. I mean, it wouldn't shock me by the way if Cody won the Royal Rumble again. It wouldn't shock me either, but I just think that the the story is more necessary with Punk. <sighs> I just don't care. 
Um, yeah, I agree. I want it. I want it so badly because the Royal Rumble is, is such a great opportunity. Every time they do it and give somebody a big Royal Rumble win, people are excited about it. Right. They were excited about Shinsuke. They were excited about Asuka. They were excited about Rhea and Bianca Belair. Oh, my Lord, were people excited about that. I don't understand why they don't use this perfect road to, uh, like, you know, supercharging somebody, why they don't use this. I, I see what you're saying, but I also, like, I don't know who's in the position right now. You know what I mean? Like, you you... Who's ready for the Royal Rumble win outside of a Gunther? Um, yeah, and 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 that's that's why that's like had you have been heating up a few guys all year, like sure, LA Knight would be interesting, but again, like I don't feel like he's even ready. Like it's it's a it's a hard thing. Like you you, I think ninety percent of the time they go with what the story is going to be to you know what they have in mind for WrestleMania. Simply because, like, it, it takes a, like Brock was a surprise, or was it was, the year he won? He was very young when he won in two thousand three. Um, but it was expected. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he was killing everybody. I and I just like again, I I don't see anyone else ready for that title match. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm not seeing something. But it's a shame because. I- Again, that's what the Royal Rumble should be about. I don't disagree with you. I, I I hope I hope next year we can see some somebody like different. Yeah. Number 18, Brock Lesnar announces his retirement. No, he'll I don't think he'll ever announce his retirement. I think he'll just drift off and we'll never see him again. I, I agree with you. I think I'm gonna also say no, but uh, for different reasons. I think he might announce his retirement. I think he'll like he'll be retired when he goes to the Hall of Fame. But for me, I think he's just there's no reason for him to stop. Right. Like he doesn't have to deliver huge matches. He can just show up and get paychecks. Like there's no reason for him to not be at major shows, you know? And again, like he's he has his formula for his match done up already. Yeah. And it's successful. It's not a failed formula. Mm-hmm. Certainly it's not it's been dependent upon the opponent. But I mean, like, if you don't broke what ain't or don't fix what ain't broke. If we're gonna have Walter carry the championship through WrestleMania, I feel like that would be a bad opponent for him. Or to the I should say. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Number 19, Chris Jericho announces his retirement. He's all he it's funny. He also recently said on a podcast he's never doing the retirement tour and you know he's just gonna just be go and never come back. So with for with all that being said, uh no, I don't think he'll announce his retirement. I'm gonna I think, I think if we see him have a match with Lance Storm, we'll know. I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna say this is his last year. I think he hangs up the boots. I think there's there's so many opportunities with him at the at the company to do other things. And I don't know if he needs to keep wrestling. That's right. So yeah, I I I think I think it's coming sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's gonna be 2024, but I'm gonna call my shot and be be fine about this. So I'm gonna say yes. Number 20. We have the announcement of the AEW network or Southern Hoodland. 
I'm going to say yes. I think they need it. I I think that they uh, they need a spot where you can go back and and look at the history of this company. It's I know it's only you know it'll be five years old in in October, but uh, it just for me it, it, it you. you you need your fans to be, or you need people who to be able to gravitate towards people who may maybe have never seen your product before and want to go back and see what you've done. And without having to pay five bucks per event on, on what was fight TV. I'm also going to say yes, because I think they're going to expand honor club to include this. That also makes sense. However, they end up choosing to do that. I think there's just a road to which that is all under one yeah. umbrella. And it's something that Tony Khan can be excited and yell about on a Hug somebody. TV show. Um, random Dynamite, I'll show up and see if you big news. That is actually big news, Tony, by the way. That one would count. And number 21, because number 21 also has always has to be a wild long shot. WWE announces a partnership with another wrestling company. That's an interesting question because, I mean, like, the company that owns WWE announced that they're helping a, a, another wrestling company out in one way, shape, or form. So, I mean, I'm going to say yes. Just You said it's a wild card. You said it's out there. But, like, them working with TNA Wrestling would not be a terrible thing, I think, for either company. Especially if you wanted to do something where, like, I mean, think about a T, and you'll, you might, you're gonna laugh at this. Think of like a, a TNA NXT um, invasion storyline. You could run when they hit the CW. Yeah. Like, again, I agree. I think there's, I think there's a lot of reasons why it would be a good idea. I'm gonna still say no because Vince is still in charge. And just think that that is the line that won't be allowed to be crossed. Right. But he's not, he doesn't get the final call, is what no, I'm saying. He doesn't, but I don't it, know that I don't know that UFC is going over his head to like go after another company. The the, the thing that would work really well for this is this being like, because I, I feel like the thing that they should start working on is global NXT. But we're that's that still feels like it's a long way away. What happened to NXT Europe? Wasn't that supposed to be a thing? That that was supposed to be a thing, but it. I mean, like you got to remember with the right around right around when they announced that that was going to be a thing in the near future is right around the times when the sale and everything came into place. So that might have changed things. But I know that I triple I triple H he had that vision of NXT performance centers all over the world and. I think that he's going to try everything he can to convince the, this new conglomerate that that is a good idea. And I honestly can safely say, I think he's right on that. I if you want to train WWE wrestlers and be able to have have some somebody for everybody, that's the best way to do it. I agree. I'm 100% with you. I think that's the best path to it. I think NXT UK birthed more people than people realize. Like, you know, Gunther came from NXT UK. Um, Rhea Ripley came from NXT UK. Yeah. Like, I think it was a, a bigger star maker than people give it credit for. Right. Uh, so that's it for our 
best and worst of the year of 2023. Ryan, um, it was it's been an interesting year. That it has. A year that when looking back on, I often said to myself, which I feel like I do every year, but wow, that happened this year. Um Time is both fast and slow at the same time, and uh, it can be uh, it can be a, a really fun blast in in uh, pro wrestling. Um, I will say this year was great because I mean, like we as a podcast got to change some things up, and you know, being able to you know rebrand ourselves under Wallet Media and push forward, and you know, start to. I think have some stability when it comes to, you know, what we're doing and the content we're putting out and all that. I think that that's, uh, I think a really great thing for us. And, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild 2023. I'm looking forward to 2024. Me too. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's wallet media is feels like it's in a pretty stable place. We've got our shows that have seemed to be doing pretty well and I'm happy with, we're producing a lot of content that people seem to be, I'm excited about too, which I'm happy about that as well. So right. to everybody who's listened to us all year, thank you so very, very much for for your support. Uh, it means the absolute world to us. Uh, shout out to everybody who has made an appearance on the show over the course of the, on one of these shows over the course of the, this year. And yeah, thank you for all of the listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. And for the last time in 2023, you have been walloped. Happy New Year! You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.